Nice. Nice. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to You Love to Hear It. We got a brand new episode sponsored and brought to you by Athlete Studio, the number one platform, the number one e-commerce platform for athletes. Today we got a legend in the booth. We got Gertie Beats. What's up, baby? Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. How are we doing? We're doing good. I'm hanging out. Courtside. Just looking at this view right here. Yeah. I don't know if you guys can see it. Maybe you get a shot of that thrown in there. But Yeah, we got dialed in the other day. Somebody hit me up on Instagram while we're in Utah. They saw the Narvi schedule, and they said, we, had, we got a fat cribby. Come through. Just give me a little Airbnb link shout out in the video, and... Here we are. Next thing you know, we had six, eight, 10, 12 of the boys show up. 13 beds were filled. And how funny is it that we're not like, we're not raging. We're not like partying. We're, our, our like style of like, we went hard that night up till 3.30. We're just filming podcasts, playing table tennis, smashing jacuzzis. I'm hitting yoga in every room. Like the boys are cooking up steaks till 1 a.m. It's a very... Uh, grown adult kind of party vibe you know still yeah. a good time music on people are dancing and stuff but minimal uh minimal negative activities i'd yeah. say like, you know? detrimental yeah like everybody's waking up early yesterday we all woke up early yesterday was brutal though i can't imagine waking up feeling hungover when how poorly i feel when i wake up just tired I woke up a little hungover yesterday. He <laughs> <laughs> was sneakily throwing a couple back in the jacuzzi. I was on the kids. <laughs> Hell yeah. All right. Well, let's let's jump into a little bit of Stoke right now on how I guess we met. You hit me up. You probably have a better take on like your vision of me before we actually met. So like how did you start watching my videos? How did you reach out to me? For those of you who don't know, Gertie Beats is the legend who's been sending me so much music for the vlog. All all the bangers, all the in-betweens, all the little fi find your stoke vibe, the cruisy, everything. And uh, yeah, he reached out to me. So yeah, well, let's hear from your side how that yeah. started. Uh, I'll just go, <clears throat> excuse me, I'll go right from the start, I guess. Uh, so, you know, I, I make beats. I've been uh, doing it for quite a long time, just like instrumental music. Um, before like streaming services like Spotify and Apple Music and, and those kinds of things, it was really just SoundCloud. And if you were uh, like a beat maker, producer kind of deal, uh, <clears throat> there wasn't really like a path to get money in instrumental music. It was more like sell your beats to rappers as like an exclusive product or just, I don't know, <laughs> just keep making them. So there was a long period of time uh, I'd say probably up until like when Spotify was created where all I would do is like create music, put it on SoundCloud and then send my files to YouTubers. So there were a couple channels that, you know, I would just fire my beats off to and no expectations, not asking for anything in return other than just like, Hey, can you drop my SoundCloud link in your bio? Um, the ta the description of the video. Yeah. Like in the description of the video, like, you know, anywhere in there, doesn't matter where, but just music by yeah. beats. Cause it, like you were actually saying to me the other day, you're like, even if it's kind of in the mix of the description, if the viewer is looking for that song, they're going to find it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if the viewer is interested enough to want to search for it, then it doesn't matter like where it is yep. as long as it's there somewhere. And, uh, these days, you know, there's like Shazam and stuff, so you could find it pretty easily. I guess maybe not if it's in the background and somebody's talking over it, but... Those um, AI is pretty good. Yeah, it does pretty good these days. That's good. Um, but yeah, to go into like how I met you from that, basically I would just watch YouTube. You know, I'd 
crack bacon, egg, and cheese on the couch, eat some breakfast or something, and just pop on a YouTube channel. And, and were I, you just trying to just watch YouTube videos, or were you actively searching for people who might want to fit that vibe that you could send your music to? I'm always actively looking for people that might want the music. Uh, if, if it works, it works. If it clicks, it makes sense, you know? Um, like, for example, uh, Kevin was here last night, and, you know, I let him know, like, hey, dude, I got yeah. beats if you want them. Which brings up a, a topic of like, do you want to like, because if your content is similar to his, you know, do you want to mm. have do you want both people using right. the beats? Yeah, exclusivity. But that's I would say that if I'm not paying for the music, then it doesn't matter. But then again, I don't pay for your music. You give it to me for free. I pay for Epidemic Sound to have another arsenal of like wild music with crazy instruments and vocals and all that. And it sucks because everybody uses Epidemic Sound. So yeah. you get a good song and like they, they refresh it all the time every, every week or whatever. And then everyone's using it. JLB's using it. My homies are using it. You know, all the snowboarders. And then it kind of takes the away that song. creativity from your, but you're paying for it. Right. So it's like, damn, you think you should get some exclusivity for it, but I guess you're not paying that much. Right. So yeah, that, that is a, a strange line of... It's an interesting line that I think as a musician or, or producer or whatever, like it's content creator, if you're sending your content to people, just be a little bit mindful of that because, you know, you don't want to saturate your relationships and stuff. And, yeah. You know, obviously, like if you hear my beats and Kevin's video, like you're not going to want to use the same one the next day, right? So like there's that. But uh, now to go back to the question um, – I, I just always have my eye out for people that might want to use the music. Uh, but when I found your videos, I was literally just sitting on the couch watching YouTube, eating a, a bagel or something, bacon and cheese. I think that was my first message yeah. to you. It was like, you know, I just found your channel. So I was, I was on my couch watching YouTube and his video came up in like the recommendations or something. Your video came up. Um, I, I forget which one it was. This was a few years ago, quite a few years ago before yeah. we actually met. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I saw your video, and I was like, oh, like, instantly subscribed, you know? I was like, this dude's sick, like, out there snowboarding. And I saw the format of your videos where you do B-roll and use music, you know, in between shots mm -hmm. or as, like, an under track for when you're shredding and stuff. Uh, yeah, so I just reached out, and the DM was like, yo, dude, I, like, really like what you're doing, and here's all my beats, you know? Like, <laughs> right away knew, like, all right, this dude doesn't seem like somebody who's going to go and steal my stuff or, like, you know not give credit or do something negative and you know it's just a little bit of trust mm -hmm. kind of like blind trust there and being like yo here's every beat that i've ever made at up to this point do what you want with them you know like zero expectations i wasn't expecting you to even hit me back mm -hmm. uh yeah and then you responded you were like dude sick and yeah a couple of weeks later i heard my beats in your videos and just kept going so from that point on i think it was probably a couple of years of that <clears throat> before we actually met in person mm -hmm. Um, yeah, so I would just, every time I would make new stuff, I'd shoot you an email, fire it off. And, uh, then one day you came to, uh, Connecticut to Powder Ridge. And that was a couple of years ago. And right around that time, I had just got back into snowboarding, which also your videos, you know, inspired a lot of that. Like, I don't know if you remember, but I was at a uh, Killington with, you know, uh, my ex-girlfriend, <laughs> whatever, shout out my ex. But, uh, um, I was there and I was using a rental board. I was just getting back into it. And it was just such an amazing experience that I was like, oh, like this is what I want to do. I, so I got to get a board. Yeah. You know, and I didn't know anything about snowboards or like what companies or what or what to get. So it instantly went to your 
advice literally hit you up was like yo i need a board like what do you recommend and you had just dropped your pro model right at that time sick i think actually it was on your website before you even announced it Mm -hmm. and i went on there and snagged one up that was it and uh yeah never announced them people literally did that and they sold out and i never got to truly announce the boards (laughs) yeah dude i snagged one up they were like pretty much sold out too i got a 159 um jumped back into snowboarding that season pretty hard and got out there as much as i could and then right around that time is when you came to Powder Ridge. And, yep. and then I just was like, oh, sick. You're coming to Connecticut. I live like an hour away, hour and a half away. Yeah. And just pulled up. Yeah. Like, and for, for the content creators that are have like building relationships through social media messaging and emails and stuff and you use someone's or someone helps you out like that for so long. Yeah. You're fucking hyping to finally meet them, but to bring it back about when you sent me that like catalog of all your music you've ever had to give some tips to people who are creating content and maybe long form content that need to find music. That's such a difficult one. And when I started, that was a huge one. And like, it's kind of like a three part story, but originally I didn't really care about using copyrighted stuff because I wasn't monetized on YouTube. And my buddy Indo Eye hit me up and was like, yo, your videos are sick. They're taking off. What are you going to do when you get monetized? Um, About like getting the money because you're using copywritten copywritten content from from other artists and i was like dang that's a good idea or i said i wasn't really worried until that happened and he said well once you get monetized all your old videos are gonna get monetized right so all the work you're doing right now like you can reap the benefits of later but not if you're using this so i was like oh shit and i kind of like fell in love with the idea of creating everything from scratch whether it was like a homie that made the beat you made the music and it's like none of this has ever been put together in this format before right it starts to feel accomplished and when you post something and it gets like that like ineligible to be monetized this person's content is is flagged for this and you use this you're like damn it doesn't seem like you don't get that same fulfillment like it's like you created something from scratch right so it's a long story but when somebody sends beats like that even before we get there. So when you don't have anybody and you're starting off, YouTube has a library with free music. You can also literally type in on YouTube, free vlog music, and mm-hmm. they'll always have like links. It's just like beats and stuff. You can just Google free music for vlog. And that's a good way to start, but it's, you're kind of getting mediocre stuff. But once you're putting out the videos, just share in the videos that you're posting. Hey, if you guys like the videos and whatnot, and you like the music and you want to be a part of this, send me some beats. I'll give you some shout outs and like, a smaller creator and a smaller artist love that mutual connection of a shout out because they're going to bring new viewers to their music and then they're going to increase their views on Spotify, which is going to increase their overall numbers and they get more money and you get more content and it makes that original stuff. But then once you want to branch away from that and create your own stuff, then you have somebody like Gertie that can send you those, that giant catalog what I do just to make sure because there's always samples in music. You never know who uses like something that wasn't theirs or it's like a Drake type beat and it'll right. be like a Chris Webby type <clears throat> beat. And then they, they kind of like tweak one thing or they slow the, the BPM or, or speed it up. Yeah. So I always take the entire folder. Like if you sent me 1500 songs, I will take all of those, throw them into final cut or whatever app that you edit with export it with just a blank screen so that it's a movie and it's like literally 15 hours long and I'll upload it to my YouTube channel. And then as soon as it's uploaded, you click monetize and hide it. And it will just send you out an email of just like, here's 30 copyright claims at 13 minutes, at 17 minutes, at 20. And I just go back to the list and I find that song, copy, find show and finder, 
don't delete. I don't want to ever see that thing anywhere near my library again, you know, right. or some of them you can tell. And I literally have songs that are labeled like Gertie Beats, track 215, Namibia, don't use first 30 seconds because it'll be mm. like a lady with a sample or something. So for people that are just trying to avoid that upload and then find out when people send you music, uploading it in a video format to your YouTube, finding it, they give you like a nice little section breakdown of where they all are. So that way you don't at 1 a.m. Right. finally upload your video and get hit with a copyright strike day that before a pow day. Huge advice. Yep. Huge. When you first told me that, I was blown away. I was like, this guy is smart. Yeah. Because like, I've never heard of anybody doing that. Because most people will wait until the last step when they upload it and then they get the thing and, and now then you gotta go pissed. back. And then they're Your emailing you edit. like, yo, what the hell, dude? And you're like, yo, you got exactly. a job too. Do it on your end. I'm making banger music. If some of it has like a sample that after three years, the AI got better, mm. which is you have to really be careful because I'm getting flags on stuff that I've used from back in the day that, that were samples, but the AI of YouTube algorithm wasn't good enough to actually find it. Right. Now they can find it, like you were saying, behind someone's snowboarding stuff. They can like separate the layers of audio, which is crazy. They got better at it. That's that's huge. And, and that also runs into like the kind of music that you're making or sending people. Like me personally, I do a lot of sampling. It's just where I started with making beats and stuff is what inspires me. It's mm -hmm. just like the sound. So obviously like with somebody who samples, you got to be careful of that because I might tell you it's clear, I, you know, but like you said, the sample might come up sometime in the future. So that's a, a crazy smart way of uh, proactively seeking out what might be an issue. Getting your answer. I'll just find out myself 100% for sure. Not yeah. rather than asking someone. You don't Do have you to know ask me. And I might tell you, I don't know. Yeah. It, you know, um, uh, the other part of that is when, uh, you know, as a musician, when you release music to all these platforms, uh, Spotify, Apple Music, um, YouTube, all, all that, there's an option. You, you know, you use like a distribution service like DistroKid or TuneCore or something like that. And in every one of them, there's a little tick box when you go to submit it and it's, it's content ID. And if you hit that tick box, then every time somebody uses your music on YouTube, they're going to get a copyright claim. You know, it's, you're uploading your stuff to the algorithm for YouTube to search for your music in other people's videos. And I might not be fully educated on this, but I'm not really aware of a service right now or an easy way to like whitelist channels or videos. And I think it's a little bit cumbersome for people to get a copyright claim and then for you to go and I have to like remove it because mm -hmm. that's just an extra step in the creator's process <clears throat> that, you know, you're just giving somebody extra work, right? Yeah. So my advice is... You're saying that you, the music creator, is giving the content creator extra work instead of just using your beat. Now they have to use your beat, hit you up, send you the link to it, ask you to whitelist it. Yeah, That's what you meant. exactly. And, you know, so like if you got a copyright claim, then I would have to go in somewhere yes. and like remove it for you. Mm -hmm. And yeah, now you're waiting for me again to do some kind of work and it's just an extra step in your process, right? Yeah. So my whole theory, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, my whole theory from the very beginning has been uh, never claim content ID because the relationships with content creators is so much more valuable than 10%, 20% of the royalties from their video. Like I made a beat regardless if this person's going to use it or not. And, uh, for me to expect 20% of somebody else's content, editing, filming, all the, the hours of hard work is just so like kind of 
crazy to me. I, I mean, if you're somebody like a major artist, obviously it makes more sense. Yeah. Now, if you're freestyling over that beat and dropping it as a rap artist, you know what I mean? Then that might be an issue. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, but if, yeah, like you said, there's 10 hours, 12 hours of filming that goes into a video. Just for my, me, for example, a vlog, I film for 12 hours. I edit for six hours. I finally get it uploaded, like not to take away from the work that you've done, but we can find songs from all, you know what I mean? There's billions of songs that'll fit that genre. Like we're helping you by getting your music into the ears of potentially 10,000 people. That's 20,000 years. Yeah. Uh, to, man, to touch on that. So <clears throat> Spotify does this uh, Spotify wrapped thing every year where they break down like how many streams you got, how many listeners you got, yeah, yep. like how many of those people are your like number one fans or like you, you Top as listeners. A, yeah. Like you as a musician are their number one artist that they listen to. Yeah. Uh, this kid, Luke, I think his name is, I, I've never met him. Um, but on Instagram, he sent me a message, uh, you know, he was in my top 0.003% of listeners and I went to his Instagram profile and he's a homie that probably found me through your vlogs, like a shredder Midwest somewhere. Yep. You know, and like that right there is exactly what I'm talking about. Like he found my music through your vlogs, <clears throat> liked it, and then became an actual listener of the tunes. Now you multiply that on a larger scale with more people, the streams and then revenue that you would get from that is way greater than what you would get from claiming 20% of somebody's video. And as soon as you get a copyright claim, you're not going to ever like use that person's music yep. again. So it's my whole approach to, uh, you know, the music and with you and everybody, really any, any content creator is use the music, give me credit, just, you know, but there's also a huge trust factor there. Like you, you gotta be careful who you're sending your life's work to. Yeah. It's like giving somebody every beat you ever made. They can do some funny stuff with those files if they wanted to. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's the whole approach. And I think that goes a lot with anything, especially nowadays of putting some work in and giving something of value, giving honestly your best value for free. So that that way people fall in love with you and they're grateful for you and, they, and they're indebted to you. So that that way when you do maybe down the road drop an EP for eight bucks, like those 100,000 people who've been getting your music for free and those 50 to 100 creators who've been using it for free, they're going to fucking cop that album for eight bucks. Even though it's like they have so much music, they don't need to buy it. They don't need to do any of that. But like, oh, the homie dropped something. This is my guy. He's been here for me. He's dialed me in with this. Like, I think... Was it you that literally dropped like a beat and, and you could buy it for whatever you wanted? Was that you? And like some mixtape thing or maybe it was somebody else, but I was just like, oh, homie dropped one. It's only 10 bucks, but you could like drop one. I was like, here's 50 bucks, you know, like here's, oh. here's 10 album buys or something like that. Right. Yeah. Bandcamp, you can do that. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's, it's yeah, I think it goes a long way. It's just like doing your work, creating the best things that you can and then giving that out for free so that your best work can be seen by everybody. A lot of times you want to get paid for it because you worked so hard, but if nobody knows what it is and nobody knows who you are, then why are they going to drop bread on something like that? But if you give that out for free, then they're going to be stoked and they're going to basically be indebted to you and want to support you when you do drop something. Absolutely. Which like which goes into my content, which is I drop all my stuff for free. Occasionally, I do like a, a specific sponsor in a video, but like I want most of my videos to just be for free for the people. Like, yeah, you watch a couple eight to four second ads in between a twenty five minute video. Once again, that's for free. Like, right. 
if you have YouTube premium, you don't even need to do that. But I just put all that out for free as much as I can. How-to videos, tutorial videos, trick tip videos. I'm not like charging for that. Those could all be on Patreon. Those could all be on subscriptions only, but all that shit's for free. So then hopefully people got so much value out of the stuff that I've been giving them for years and years and years that they don't need to, but I dropped a merch line or I dropped some, some new gear. Or I dropped a something like they'll just subscribe to the Patreon. They'll buy some merch just to support because they know like, yo, this dude, we got to keep him going and doing what he's doing because he's for the people. And they know that because I've given them my best stuff for free, which is just, it's a hard thing to commit to. And a lot of people don't see that vision right. they think that they worked so hard that they just deserve the, the rewards. But at the end of the day, you got to get your stuff out there. And that's the best way to do it is to give it out for free. Be passionate about what you're doing. And if it's passion driven, then you're not really focused on immediate monetary gain. And, you know, it, that stuff will come th through consistency. Yep. The way I see it is, is like you're emitting energy into the universe and it doesn't just disappear. It lands places and it resonates with other people. Yep. You know, and it might be delayed. Might it be might be five years delayed, bro. Yeah. I, I especially like that is easily to be seen with reels and stuff. Now, Instagram used to be a 24 hour window of you get a fire amount of engagement the first hour, a little bit less the second by the 20th. There's almost nothing by 24. It's gone in the feed. Now everything kind of switched and it's you post something. It's not doing good. A lot of people, they're stuck in that old mindset of like, I'm going to delete this right away. People, people aren't liking it. So they almost think like everybody must be watching it and disliking it, but it's like, no, no, no one ever saw it. Right. So you don't need to be worried or embarrassed that no one saw that your post didn't get that many likes because no one saw it. So they'll delete it. But now literally everything that like we post on the, you love to hear at Instagram, mm -hmm. it'll only get a couple thousand views in the first like day, two days, three days. And then something hits and I, you go scroll back down and boom, this video that had 2,500 views has 16,000. And then a week later it's got 26,000. And then, a month and a half later, you're like, yo, this thing's at 500K. It's just started going nuts. Right. So, like, don't be so involved in, like, that instant monetary reward, at least in this era of what we're doing. You know what I mean? If you're doing specific work and you show up and you get a job done, you got to get paid. That's, that's that's not what we're talking about. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, touching on, like, the passion part of it, right? This is, like, if you're looking at it, like, as a nine-to-five job, obviously, you're going to have a much different approach. Um, but if you're looking at it as something that you're passionate about, then it, I don't know, you'll be more open-minded more than likely, especially with the monetary stuff. <clears throat> yeah. And when I, you don't, when you don't like what you're doing, you're trying to get paid right away. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Cause you're you like, didn't enjoy sucks. it. You're like, I, I would wanna... not have done this. Well, that's what I'm saying. I would have made these beats anyway. Mm -hmm. So like, even if not a single soul on this planet listened to it, I would still make it because yeah. I love doing it, Yep. you know? And like, yeah. And like what you were saying about things kind of finding their place, maybe in the future, it's the same way with music. It happens all the time where suddenly an algorithm or some content creator might find an old track and use it and then it kind of like spikes in streams yep. and stuff and then that snowballs into older ones or like they might be like, oh, what album is that song from? And they stream your old album. Yep. Um, yeah, and that's just emitting energy, positive energy with zero expectations into the universe <clears throat> being faithful that it'll land wherever it lands and then just being stoked when it lands places that make sense. Yep. And like, if, if you kind of just let it do what it will, uh, tons of like full circle stuff happens with it. Yes. 100%. You know? Next thing you know, you're on a podcast with the homie that you've been giving your beats to, you know what I mean? That's going to yeah. get you more exposure. I want to say real quick, 
we're hating on the bisque. We don't need it. Life's about fun and stuff, but life's a lot about the bisque. You got to be dialed in. You got to make sure you got cheddar. Oh, yeah. And you've been getting some proper streams. What? How does that type of thing work? What's Gertie pulling in from yeah. 100K streams, a mil streams? How does Spotify work? If you put out one song and you get a million views, are you making $5 or 500 bucks? Or is there just like YouTube algorithms where you kind of can't figure it out because it's so variably oriented? Yeah, that's a tricky one. So every different platform pays a different rate per stream. Uh, Spotify pays a certain amount, but then they also break it down to a more like granu- granular level where it's like uh, listen to two time, how long they skip. Yeah, to like song. how long do they listen? Where where they're listening from? I think other countries will pay differently mm-hmm. or different regions per stream. But to I, I I believe I might be wrong, but I think it's like a million streams is three thousand dollars, maybe less actually. I'd have to look this up, but to answer the question on like what I'm pulling in, I have a pretty big catalog, like multiple albums, multiple singles. I try to update it constantly. Uh, so there's a lot of stuff out there for mm-hmm. people to stream. And if you look, if you look it up. I, I think the first album that I dropped is when Spotify first came out. It's like 2015 or 2016. So that's, you know, qu- quite some time for these things to just be there in existence. Um, yeah. You know, so you can look, uh, I use DistroKid and TuneCore. Um, they'll break down your kind of like pay, pay per stream or song kind of thing. But on average, on a, I'd say when things are pretty like stagnant, cause it goes up and down and then like, you know, you might have a spike come down and then you're like kind of level out for a while. So when things are leveled out, maybe like 500 bucks a month, just from like streams, Die. which is insane. Yeah. Um, and you know, obviously when things get, get better you get a spike you get paid out a little bit more mm-hmm. uh the pay the payments are delayed by three months so you won't know what you're getting paid for this until three months later that's bullshit which makes it real hard to that's track bullshit. what's going on yeah. actually by the way DistroKid showed a negative balance in my account and i hit them up and i was like what is that about and they gave me some weird answer like oh you're good it'll reflect the correct balance soon it's like yep why'd you duck it negative and now it's going positive like Dude, did you guys just starlink skin? just did that to me isn't that weird? Six hundred dollars they charged me after overcharging me and tell me there was like, oh, the balance will clear out. A couple weeks go by, the balance got charged. Yeah. I was like, what? Filed fraud on them, but couldn't get them on the phone. Credit, I, I went hard, and then all of a sudden, once they got fraud filed on my credit card, end all of a sudden my phone rings. Hey, it's Starlink. I'm like, oh, there you are. How's it going, bud? <laughs> We got his refund, though, for sure. Yeah, I, I witnessed it. Well, that goes a lot to say about the creative and how much you got to love it, which is what we've been honing in on, because we're so frothed up on $500 a month after 2016. That's seven years of gruesome work with literally putting it out as soon as it came out and having thousands of songs in a catalog and we're hyping on $125 a week. You know what right. I mean? Like that's how you know you love it. And yeah. It's just, it's so much different. So I want to say like when, cause this is, uh, it's actually a really good question for you. Like we're also, Oh, this is kind of a double. So we went to Gary V's office the other week mm-hmm. He co-wrote a book with that other homie, I don't know the author's name, called Burn the Boats. Mm. And at what point in time do you think you're going to or should people go all in on that 500 a month because you spend eight hours a day, four to six days a week 
not creating your music and doing real work for you. I don't, I don't, I've actually, you've told me a thousand times, but I don't, still don't know what you do, <laughs> but you've done podcast, audio setups. You set up meetings for people and events virtually. Sometimes you have to go in. So like you're doing a lot of things that you don't want to do, but that does better your knowledge of everything that you are doing. So that's good. And mm-hmm. you're just a positive person. So I'm sure you would focus on that. But at what point do you burn the boats on all of those bridges and connections to that other job and go all in and triple to quadruple up the amount that you're sharing your stuff to people, trying to get listeners, putting out more albums and content so that that 500 could turn into 2000. And now you could be like, okay, I could live on 2000 a month. If I drop these, like at what point do you burn the boats and commit to all in music? And like, will you do that soon? Are you near that? Point? That's, what, <clears throat> that's the ultimate goal. Uh, that's what, what I'm working toward. It's, it's a slow, slow process. Um, it's tricky to, rush the creative process cheeky <laughs> trucky it's trucky to to rush it you know yes uh, because and ballsy it, if you're gonna sit there and and have that approach where you're like no like by this date i'm gonna make this much money on music now i mean you can still be passionate about it but it's you're taking it to a different place where you might feel forced sit, to sit there and make this music just because you have to monetarily you're it yes um I try to avoid that at all costs. And, uh, you know, I've had a f- full-time career uh, pretty much my whole life in audio. Like, I, I started out as a live sound guy for some nightclubs downtown. Um, took that into, like, more corporate audiovisual work. Uh, did random side jobs all over the place in the city, construction, whatnot. Uh, and, yeah, ended up where I'm at now. I work a full-time job. I'm basically, like, an IT AV guy for company uh an electronics company close to home um but that has been i I guess it's been instilled in me since i was a kid through my parents like you got to get a job you got to work nine to five you got to like do this thing to get a house raise a family and like be okay and not be homeless and you know just makes sense right and um so i'm still kind of like hanging on to that in order to pay the bills and stuff uh but ultimately yeah the goal is to get the music to a point where I can support myself on it and, and live on it and free up my time to invest more into it. Uh, it's an intimidating thought. I, I think obviously I could be more strategic about it and have some help and especially with like sharing things and managing files and, and all that stuff. Um, but my approach right now uh, currently is to just keep doing what I'm doing because it seems to be working all right for now um once this podcast drops and it goes viral <laughs> and gertie streams triple quadruple up yeah maybe i'll be in the nar full time <laughs> it's gonna come bro <laughs> i mean <clears throat> that is the goal uh it's it's a slow process and it's tough to uh like when you've spent your whole life on this like nine to five full-time job path you end up with tons of stuff and bills and payments and like now you're you got an apartment that you got to pay for and it's a really scary thought to like completely remove yourself from that entire ideology right and you know i think at this point at 500 dollars a month technically i could like live in a car and survive on that done it you have but it's i don't know i'm like trying to get to a point where maybe i make a little bit more and not have to sleep in my car yeah yeah. you know well the thing is on so what i see is i've done the 500 thing like i just said 
But before that 500 thing, I worked for 12 months straight and saved up $25,000 yeah. and bought myself a $5,000 computer, paid off my insurance for $2,500 on both my cars. My cars were already paid off, didn't have a car payment, didn't have to pay for rent because I put down four grand on a $500 lease for six six months. And after that lease was up, lived in my car. So like every, like I dropped 14 grand on the year ahead of time because I knew that I was about to dive into it full time. Sure. So like having saving up that money is so crucial, which I, I don't know who I was talking about that with that recently was last night with the, what you can do with potential and a lot of people with money as potential. And a lot of people just like spend their money, spend their money. And they get into that loophole of just like, get the check, spend it on what you needed. And you, you, you literally broke it down so good. It's that opportunity presents itself all the time, but you need to be ready for it. Yes. And if you have 20 grand and a crazy opportunity presents itself, whether that's like, yo, come to Finland and come film this thing, but we can't get you there. So you fly, you can fly yourself out there and now you're working for Red Bull because they invited you on something like whenever those opportunities present themselves, you can jump on them. And I think that saving up is so crucial even if you don't know why, and especially if you don't know why, because you probably don't have that passion yet. You haven't found what you're good at or what you love. And so if you're exploring stuff, you're working, you're stacking your money, and then that opportunity presents itself like it did for me with Mount Hood, mm -hmm. which I got a random snowboard sponsor and ended up getting flown to Mount Hood and was like, if you can keep making these videos, uh, not what I'm doing now, but videos for a different company, a binding company, Bon Iver, Bonavere, then you can stay out there and you can pay your rent. And I was like, I was just working landscaping as a kid and had 20 grand saved up back then and was like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I know that if, if I want to move somewhere or do something, like I'm going to need bread. And just, I just cannot push that enough of how important it is to stack money even when you don't know why, because those opportunities show up and you have to be able to jump on them. Maybe you can dive into that a little bit more. Yeah. You broke it down so good yesterday. Yeah. So that came up last night. We were driving back from the mountain or something. And uh, I asked you if you ever read that book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Oh, yeah. And then I mentioned um, a conversation that I had with a, a friend of mine's father years ago when I was younger. Um, and, you know, my, my buddy, his dad is pretty well off, has a super successful business and, you know, is kind of crushing it in, in that realm of life. Uh, <clears throat> so I asked him what his opinion is on the book. And uh, we, we kind of had a couple of conversations about some of it, but one of them that really stuck with me uh, is what you're talking about, where he, at, at this time in my life, I was early 20s, figuring it out, pretty lost, not knowing what I was doing or why. I was working a construction job that absolutely sucked, miserable, I had no direction or path. All I knew is that I had to work this job because of, I got to work. Good. And I was still doing beats and stuff on the side, but there was like nothing going on with that. Um, but he... Uh, explained to me, he, I guess he put himself in my shoes and from the perspective of the book, uh, broke it down to me like, well, you're lost. You don't have direction. You don't know why you're going to work. All you know is that you got to do it and it kind of sucks and you're trying to figure out a way out and make sense of it. Uh, he broke it down to me like, well, if you're in that position, save money, just save money, go to work. And that's your reason that you're going to work is to save money. You don't know why you're saving it, but just save money. And then he explained, you know, you, like you said, opportunities come and go in life and sometimes they come real quick and you need to be like, yes or no, right away. Can you do this thing? Yes. Can you do this thing? No. Right. And it'll be a lot easier to answer those questions or take opportunity if you are able to fund it. So you're setting yourself up for success 
on passion projects or dream projects or, you know, like you said, you want to take a trip somewhere and, and do a gig with a company. If you don't have money to pay your rent while you're while gone, you're gone, now you can't. It would be a lot harder for you to say, all right, yeah, cool. I'm going to send it and like roll the dice a little bit. Uh, if you're like, you know, well, I have nothing saved. I have to pay rent next month. I have to be at the at this office to pay rent next month. You're leaving yourself stuck in this never-ending trap where it, the only way out of that is unfortunately to have a little bit of money mm-hmm. or just like sleep in a tent somewhere. But it's a lot nicer to have a little bit of money and take opportunities. Uh, so yeah, that that was kind of where that came from, you know. So important. It's so important, and I think it's huge that you say that too because yeah. I think maybe people might. If you're like a, a new subscriber, or you, you don't know the full history or you're kind of like just jumping in. I mean, you do a good job of reminding people like, you know, it's not all glitz and glam. Uh, and it's, <laughs> it's not always easy. Right. And like you're out here living the dream essentially. Right. Uh, but there was a lot of hard work of yard work and stacking up money to get to that point. And you set yourself up for success when the opportunity came. Yep. And if you didn't, your life might be much different right now. And I've built my entire life off of that. So that's who I am as a person right. in my foundation. When I walk through stores, if the price that I know it should be isn't there, you know what I mean? I ain't touching it. I ain't mm-hmm. buying it. I'm constantly. And if I see something like yesterday, we were out and there was a, the protein that I buy that I already have two months worth of. And it was normally it's $59 and it was 39 and boom, I had an extra <laughs> couple bucks to buy it. So because I bought something I didn't need right then right. in two months because I had the money, I saved $20. Right. So you always see these people that are getting these incredible opportunities because they have money and it's like there's that guy who always has all this extra shit because his boy like scrizz for example fucking cake lord guy guaps up so hard you would never know it doesn't live like that lives in his truck humble as hell constantly working and then the the duker waits till the last minute to sell his forerunner because he's moving out of truckie and he was about to sell it for a g to someone because it was just to him he needed it gone and he needed a rack would help he didn't think he was gonna get anything for it and scrizz was like yo that thing is worth like four grand like 3500 bucks minimum you're gonna so scrizz throws him two grand doesn't even think about it just like he's probably got 80 grand chilling takes two grand buys two grand you know boom now in six months he sells it for three 3500 bucks made 1500 oh, now he's at 85 you're just like damn dude you got you, once you got money you can make money and i think that yeah it goes a long way and it also goes a long way to understand and just be self-aware that this is what I love so much that people don't think that they're dreaming and they're fucking dreaming when they're setting themselves up for something. So if you're not like frothing in a building like us stoking right now and like those two days when someone hit us up on Airbnb and was like, come stay at my mansion. Yeah, we're like peak dreaming. But when I was landscaping and I was hustling and you guys are painting or you guys are doing construction or electricians or engineer, whatever you're doing, like that is part of the dream because the dream is is an entire thing. It is the process. Life is the dream. And when you're building the dream to get to that higher level, it had to start somewhere. You don't just like wake up and you're fucking dreaming. That's not how it works. And so that's what I'm saying. Like when you're grinding, you have to remember that. So this is, I hope I can link these two. Like, when you're doing that job that you don't want to do, as long as you're saving the money, then you feel like you're on that trajectory towards building your dream and you're living the dream. And you just know that that, that portion is what you have to do. You gotta, you're gonna have to grind and work hard. So everybody who dreams, they've grinded and hustled and worked hella hard. And if they haven't, then they're not gonna be able to manage it and they're gonna fall off at some point and they're gonna go into debt and their millions are gonna spend. But 
I do get why when you're in that portion of the dream, you're also in the matrix because you're doing something that you hate and you don't like and you're being brainwashed and you're working for someone right. else and it's brutal and all of your energy is being sapped and you can't put any of your time towards what you love. So now your hormones are going wild and your, and your energy levels are wild because you're not passionate. But if you just remember that, then you can, you can keep that trajectory. That's why having goals is crucial. And I want to loop this into knowing that like I understand why people – can get lost in that matrix and forget the end goal mm -hmm. or not know the end goal. So they don't, like you said, you have to just like save because you know that the opportunity can come. And I just want to link this all back to like trying to get away from that is why people spend hella money every paycheck is they get a little endorphins from buying those new Jordans. They get some endorphins from going and buying some new features for their car or something that's going to like give them a little dopamine spike or something when they don't know why they're saving their money because they're not they're not in tune with that. So I get it, but like just just remember, don't go to that bar and do that thing if you're trying to stack that money up and get out of there. Like I get I get why people do it. It's that that energy rush from something else, but like just stick to the path and know that you're dreaming and you're setting yourself up and you're gonna get there. Oh yeah. <clears throat> I think that the saving money thing for me at that <clears throat> excuse me, the saving money thing for me at that time in my life was uh uh, like a a source of anxiety relief, stress relief in the way of like, this gives me some kind of structure. There's some kind of linear path here where everything is, you're just figuring it out. It's a mess. It's a maze. You don't know what you're doing or where you're going and why you're doing things. You know, you're young, so you think you know everything, but you don't. You're still just a kid, really, you yep. know? Um, and that provides a lot of structure that will set you up for success in life, for sure, to take opportunities. And some people have different priorities. Like yeah. the sense dreaming is a mind state and you, you can really be doing anything anywhere and be dreaming. Uh, obviously it's a lot harder to be stoked on things in life when you're like just constantly grinding and like doing things that you don't want to do. Uh, some people just have different priorities. Like, and if, that's cool. If your goal, you want the Lambo and you just want to like have a bunch of bread and like, just, that's your thing. Then I don't know, like, don't take my advice. Cause my, my goal is way different. Yes. Y you know, uh, but the, but the goal at the end of the day is to still be doing what you love. Because if you want that Lambo and a million bucks, you're going to do some sketchy ass shit to get it quickly. If you don't like what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then when you do get it, what's it worth to you? Mm -hmm. Is it really that rewarding or Bro. is it now just a responsibility? You remember when we showed up to this crib two nights ago and we were all hyped on the 13 bedroom house that sleeps 13 feet, whatever it is. And we're walking around, we're lost. The first 10 minutes we're like, this is crazy. Yeah. Everything's high tech. The fridge is in the cat, all this stuff. You know what I mean? And then dude, 20 minutes went by and I was walking around. I couldn't figure out where the, where, where I was. I was lost. And then you guys were way upstairs. I'm just like sitting here in this big ass house. It literally felt the most awkward and uncomfortable ever. And then like the boys started showing up and then next thing you know, there's 12, 13 people. We had music going. So it was like, it made sense. But in that moment I was like, damn dude, if I just had like gotten this house and bought it and like rolled in here by myself, like th there was 0% increase in happiness. Yeah, zero percent increase in happiness and almost a dip because you're like, where's my boys? Where's the core? What did you empty. do? Did you did you drop the boys off on your way up top? You know, or did you bring them with you? It's a a big, cold, empty house. Yeah, cold, that's that's an early one, and not to say that the owner that's his situation, but uh, yeah, if I were to just like move in here 
tomorrow by myself and Ew. you like dude if i was in here by myself and you and the boys were like in the rv yo having fun like what am i oh no nah, you know i'm a pass on that and just like chill in this big empty like cushy ass <laughs> room and then what then what you yeah. know so yeah it's it depends on what your priorities are in life and and i think that also takes a lot of personal figuring out for people like for me it took a long time and a lot of years of just soul searching trial and error doing things figuring out like oh i don't want to do this and then figuring out like you kind of i don't know me like i got to a point where i looked at life from more of like a zoomed out perspective where you only have this timeline and you know if you're not really in a position to be like of power or like make a huge impact on the world or something like you gotta just enjoy it you just gotta ride this wave and like have fun with it and like make sure you're doing what you love do what you love and other people will be stoked for you and then they will want to hang out with you and do things that you love too yep you know if like inspiration is inspiring so if you're an inspired person you're going to inspire other people around you facts and you know yeah that's my life goals is just make it count, spend every day doing fun things. And, you know, not to say that like, uh, I just want to have fun and like screw all my responsibilities. Like I'm, I want to one day like have a family and, you know, own a crib, maybe not something like this, but maybe, uh, maybe. Yeah. if it comes, it comes, but I'm not forcing it. And it's like a, a blind faith in life that you kind of, that I've developed, I guess, where, uh, you, you just, put things out there and you have faith that the universe will figure it out for you. You know, like you're, uh, absolutely. As long as you're positive and what you're doing is, is good. And, and you know, like you're just releasing, emitting positive energy into the universe. Like I swear to God, the universe will find a way to place that in places where it makes sense. And you'll start to see that like things come full circle. And it's the craziest thing. Like when you have more experiences like that, uh, you just, it's like, it snowballs. It's like momentum with anything else. And then you start seeing it and then you start attracting it and then you start creating it. Yeah, absolutely. So it's it, so insane to watch happen. And it's so insane to know that it's measurable and that people have been doing it and honing in on it for so long. And that it's actually almost a secret knowledge that's being suppressed. I, crazy it, crazy really crazy. is and it, I, I think a lot of the like the secret i haven't actually read the book but I, I think i have a general understanding of like the premise of it but uh i, I in my my life the secret is blind faith be positive do the right thing you know be the best best person that i can for myself uh not to say that i'm perfect at all <laughs> you know that but like you know, be the best person that I can for myself. And then therefore people around me <clears throat> will be set up for success in any kind of relationship with me. And, uh, I've seen multiple or I've had multiple experiences where things come full circle, the energy that you put out there lands, and then it comes back to you in some kind of weird way. And then you push it back out and then it just bounces back and forth. And now you're like stoking out and yeah. It's, you know, it's epic. I want to switch gears though. Let's get into some snowboarding topics right now. Yeah, let's do it. we're about to hit the the, the NARV here. Okay. Drop. Wow. Oh. 
we're going to jump into this little snowboard segment here. Once again, brought to you by Athlete Studio, the number one e-commerce platform for athletes. This one's called Guess That Takeoff. And Gertie's not deep into the snowboard game, so I didn't go 1260s. I went with with a little more mellow of a trick. Um, But we're just going to give you halfway through this jump, try to tell us if the rider was regular or goofy and which way they spun. Okay, sick. We'll see how this goes. Bonus so, points if you can name the rider. Just so everybody knows, I, I just got into snowboarding like a couple of years ago, <laughs> yeah. and I do not know anything about who's who or the culture, really. I'm still learning all this, so we'll see. All right, you ready? I'm ready. So you, I'm guessing the takeoff to see if they took off regular foot or goofy foot. Okay, run that back one more and time. And what the trick was. Which way did they take off? I'm claiming he took off goofy and he's landing switch. Yeah. Is what it looks like to me. And uh, some kind of cork melon thing going on there. <laughs> Am I right or am I so far off? Well, <laughs> he took off switch but landed regular. Oh, okay, so reverse. Yeah. Okay. And it's a switchback rodeo. I got to see the gravel this time. Yeah, what is Hold that? On. Is that like a scale fish or something? What is that even called? Oh, okay. Nose grab. Yeah, so a switch back rodeo, back rodeo nose, which grab. ends up being a five forty switch back rodeo nose grab. Okay, Mark good. McMorris, good to know. Shout out Mark McMorris, <laughs> sick. And then I almost want to just play one on the screen right now for the people that are watching on YouTube, and just drop a, a little Instagram contest thing that we have where we're gonna share this, me saying this, this post on the you love to hear it Instagram. And it's just going to be a clip of somebody doing a trick, and you got to guess that takeoff. So just drop a comment in the comment section of what stance the rider was, what the trick was that they did, and bonus points if you can if you can guess the rider. Yeah, nice. Sick. Shout out Athlete Studio once again for supporting the pod. I want to dive into. So Gertie flew out here to jump in the Narv for a little extended time as we're heading back east and. Like you were saying, you have the cribby, you're dialed in, you like a little comfort, and you're stoking, knowing what's going on. How has it been since <laughs> getting in, into my life and <laughs> just trying to, I don't even know how to explain it, but follow what I'm doing or like keep track of me or figure out? Oh, man. Uh, it's more insight it's, to the people what it's like to live around me. All right. So to give some uh, um, context here, I, I'm a very sheltered human being. I'm used <laughs> to having my own structure and space and, you know, routine and plans. I like to know what's going to happen oh, and when God. it's happening. And, the P and all word. That. Yeah. So good luck asking Casey for a plan, even <laughs> if he has it on paper <laughs> and is already promoting it on social media. You ask him what the plan is. Like, I don't, I've never made a plan in my life. Literally. <laughs> Um, so that's, that's one thing that's interesting. So, uh, getting used to just being like, I don't know where I'm going to be tonight, <laughs> but we'll figure it out again, having a little bit of blind faith in, in your homie and, you know, just trusting that he's got you dialed in and, you know, 
we're dialed right now. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we, you remember you were saying about the the Spotify? Okay, yeah, you know, goes, yeah, 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 yeah. We're, we're going, at a peak right now. Yeah, we're, we're about to leave Utah and go head to Colorado. We got a ten hour drive. It's already noon, and we got five hours worth of shit to do tonight. Oh man, we'll see. We should. We'll see how that goes. But yeah, uh, right now we're in this giant crib, uh, and it's real nice. And I was thinking about it last night. Like it's gonna be weird going from this to sleeping in the NAR tonight. <laughs> in other uh experiences you never know where any of your shit is <laughs> yeah or, or it's like where did i put that again and now your things in three different places my computer's at your crib all my like i got my trunks here my cameras here my boards <laughs> in the rv i don't know where my food is i don't even know where like if it's my food anymore <laughs> so it just kind of becomes like everything is ours <laughs> share a lot of stuff but at the same time you keep your little things to yourself you know the things you need don't leave them out in the open yeah, yeah. If they're out in the open the the permanent marker the sharpie is nice keep that thing on you drop a c or a g on, on your item oh, yeah. so that you know because we're all eating drinking the same milk we're all eating the same mm-hmm. grass-fed beef but yeah continue keep going because there's more <laughs> oh yeah yeah it's it's gnarly for sure you're always moving uh Casey is a very just uh, like highly productive person. Like the way you view time is a little bit different than most people. Like you, you don't just get stagnant. So there's like no chill time. And when everybody else is chilling, like you're working. So there would be like short periods of that. Um, so it's, yeah, the experience is like, for me, it's it's like a life experience. I kind of came out here with an open mind, knowing that it'll probably uh, be uncomfortable at times. But if you don't ever put yourself in uncomfortable situations, then you will never grow as a human. And I don't want to like wake up in my apartment by myself one day and be like, man, like I, I didn't even. I'm try. 60. I should have hopped in that RV when I was I sh- fucking 30. But I was worried about hot showers and warm meals for 10 days. I was worried about structure, like where I'm going to sleep. Yeah, and you know, it's it's scary. Like when we first uh, the night, so I landed Friday night at your. You picked me up from the airport, crashed at your place pretty quickly that night. It was late, and then the next morning we woke up and sent it in an RV to- straight into the ice bath. Oh, yeah, straight in the ice bath for literally one second. I don't know how you do that shit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's good. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, we sent it in an RV to uh, Brighton. And I remember, like, feeling this, like, similar feeling that I used to get when I was a kid. Like, I don't know if you ever had this, but you ever, like, when you're, like, young, your parents are like, yo, stay at this homie's place. And then, like you're cool with it. And then like, right when it starts to get to like bedtime, you get this like uneasy, like, like I want to go home, <laughs> you know, like this yep. weird feeling, like it, it spiked up a little bit on the way to uh, Brighton, you know, cause everything's so up in the air, half my shits in different places. I don't like, I haven't had a hot shower. Like, you know, there's no toilet paper. I'm like, I'm asking you, you're like, figure it out, Gertie. I'm like, you know what I mean? <laughs> And like, there's just, we're all up in the NAR going up there. Like, I don't know who's who. I'm still meeting people. Figure and it out. He says, figure it I'm out. I'm like, yo, C-Dub, what's the plan, bro? You're like, I don't make plans. And I'm just kind of <laughs> like, oh my God, what did I get myself into? You know, this like uneasy feeling. But that being said, that uh, dude's already stronger this week than he was last week. Absolutely. A thousand Guy's percent. more confident in himself this week than he's ever been in his life. For sure. 
for sure. And, you know, but that being said, there's a lot of, uh, like really fun activities and positivity and just like times that are not crazy gnarly, you know, and, and times that are like when we're out there shredding, that was the best riding I've ever done in my life yesterday. How, how's the, let's hear about the mountain now. Let's, let's, let's hone in on trying to snowboard with the boys at a mountain, at a busy mountain. Oh, keep boy. up and camera and everything that's going on and foul shots and barking and passes. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> it's a lot. It, it is. There are times when you're stuck in the gondola with a bunch of people and you're like, I'm going to stand here on these lines parking hike up this hill through the parking lot for like the next hour it takes me an hour just to gear up and like get over here you're freaking so much work and effort deep into it then you get there you're waiting online forever and you know there's definitely times where you're like is this even worth it what, right what about riding with like us specifically yeah all right so for from my perspective i'm a pretty beginner snowboarder um i, I put in some work over the past couple of years so you know i'm a little more comfortable but uh, keeping up with you guys is nearly impossible, especially like if it's, if you're in a big group, uh, if it's just you and me, like, you know how to like pace it. Like if I'm filming you with the GoPro, like you're not fully sending it. Like I saw you and Jamal at, uh, where were we? Mount snow. And yeah, like I was like, Oh, Oh, like Casey can double what he's doing with me right now. You know? Um, and that, and that was just me filming Jamal. Yeah. You guys are charging. And it's funny because, Leaking up with you last week, I was under the impression that I've gotten a little bit better and I could keep up now. Uh, but no, that's not the case. So, <laughs> <laughs> so if you want me to keep, if I'm keeping up with Casey and all those GoPro shots, like I'm either just extremely uncomfortable chasing him or he's like not going that strategically. Fast. I'm so strategic depending on if the rider that is filming me is someone that's a one out of 10 ability. And I met on the mountain that day and I'm by myself and they're like, yo, you want me to like get some GoPro clips of you? So it's not just all POV pole stuff. I'm like, absolutely head down to that feature, stand at the bottom of it, look up, get as close as you can. Right. And I'm just going to hike it three times. Right, so right. I know I'm getting three shots and it's on super wide. So I know that literally if they don't put it up or down, I can crop in. And I kind of feel like I do that with everything in life where I'm like going through life and figuring, I'm like, when I live my day, I live it through the vlog. So I see these windows of what I would want. I remember what I filmed in the morning and I'm like timing out how long it is. And I'm like, okay, we filmed like some coffee stuff, some driving stuff. We got to the hill. That's probably two and a half minutes of song. The song's going to fade out. What would I like? I would like the song to fade out as we get to the mountain with the shots and then boom, pan up, open the door. Kids are outside getting stoked. We do no music for five or not five minutes, 50 seconds with the kids, couple stories, couple stokes, handing out some gear, turn around, the audio's gone. Two, uh, 20 to 60 second breakdown of where we are, what's going on, boom, 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 hit the cam and it's, it's music time. And I feel like a lot of people don't know that, well, excuse me, nobody knows that I'm doing that. And because I don't even really know, you know, cause I'm kind of delusional and I'll, I'll be like thinking I didn't get enough footage and go home and think I'm going to put two days into one. And it ends up being a, the first day ends up being 16 to 22 minutes. And I'm like, how, what was I thinking? I didn't do an intro the second day, but I, I like how other people like so in my head i'm like all right we're to music now i need snowboarding for 
in, until noon because I need a, I need to fit a three and a half minute banger and right. it's 10 o'clock. So we need two and a half hours of riding before there's a midday breakdown, mm-hmm. before there's anything. And I'll get on the lift and like someone will grab the GoPro and they just think that I film everything and then edit everything and then vlog everything. And it's just like, it's all just happening. And yeah. I'm like, in my head, there's like this literal square, like you were saying with the beat tones last night, like practicing, I think in vlog form and so someone will just do like a breakdown and then I'm like, oh, that's, I'm literally like uneasy because I'm like, th- th- what they're doing is pointless right now. This can't be put in there. You know, like in my head, I'm like, you're talking for no reason because it's, there's music playing right now. <laughs> I'm like the you're, only one. You're editing as you go. Filming and editing as I go throughout the entire day. And what, what was I linking that to before that was, I don't know. Uh, the way that we ride. Or like, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so when I have someone like you, you know what I mean? I'll do like a wider turn when you're behind me and I'll go for like a carve because I know that you're going to be catching up and going by me. So like there's, I literally have like three layers of thoughts going on at all times. It's super strategic. Yeah. yeah. And And then when, when Daly's there or something, I know that I'm just like, and it even goes to even more particular when TCAP's filming, I'll do a different trick because he's goofy and my front side's there. And this is all improv as we're riding. I'm coming in and there's a jib right there and I'm like, oh, TCAP's on my front side. If I do a back 180, it's going to go back, 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 booty shot. So I'll just be like, boom, front three, stall it out, and then whip the three around, and it's land in front of him right. on a toe edge. And it's like, so every moment of every run is you're not just cruising for no reason, figuring it out. Like you've got that's it, also happening. It is a cruising, figure it out because I'll do the back, I'll the back three or, or the front three, and I'll, and I'll mess up. You know what I mean? And I'll land one eighty, and now I'm switched. So then it's like instantly improv to cab butter to land, make it to fix the error that I just right. made in my head. But yeah, it's it's crazy. And it's obvious, like, rolling with you guys. Um, snowboarding with you guys is interesting uh, for somebody like me because my experiences with, like, resorts, like, for example, Mount Snow, I, I, I've been there once last year before we went last week, and um, I, like, stayed there for a few days, got a nice hotel room. I was on the mountain, like, opened the clothes, like, hit a couple of drinks, you know, mm-hmm. like, real bougie kind of, like, experience on the mountain, make it like a full day activity. You need that every now and then though. Oh, it's, it's, you gotta level up. Sometimes if you're going to drive up the five, eight hours, you need air conditioning. You can't do it for 10 years with no AC and a hundred degree heat. Yeah. (laughs) It's a trauma traumatized. Yeah. So I I enjoy that part of it for sure. Um, riding with you guys is a little bit different because you know, like you said, you've got this mission in mind, this, you're thinking of it from a, Uh, like a strategic editing perspective, filming and stuff. So when we ride, there's like, there'll be more of like a few hours, but just super high density in those few hours. Yeah. We're not taking breaks. We're not going into the lodge. There's no going to get a burger or beer, none of that. Food, water, no, nothing. We bring our own food, bring our own drinks, water and stuff. And we hike until it's hit the mountain, get up there, figure out, how to get up and, and once we're there, we're there. Figure out <laughs> once we're there, we're yeah. there for a few hours. And and in those few hours, like there's a huge high density or high volume amount of just shredding. And it's like, we're here, let's throw down, you know. And as a filmer, uh rolling with you, it's it's sick because you don't need all day. You know, like um we went to Big Snow the other day last week and we were there for literally like 40 minutes four runs five runs i think we got five runs it was yeah. like 30 32 minutes or some shit and you were able to get enough 
clips from that to like do what you needed to do with oh, that. Yeah. Two full songs. Just, and, you know, so that's writing with you guys is that kind of experience where it's like, which also leads us into the navigation of life. Like you were saying, the way I kind of navigate through things and, and time optimizes crazy. I get like anxiety at a, a red light. If there's a, a, someone that's in the right lane and there's no one coming and they don't go right on red and they're just sitting there literally waiting to be told to go. And I have such, I don't even know the word, like just the opposite of my entire life has everything to do with waiting because someone told you to, if you shouldn't be waiting because there's no reason. And maybe they were wrong. Right. You know what I mean? Or just like sitting there. And I notice a lot of people in life just will, will just like, sit there and just no, you know what I mean no time to uh, awareness nowhere to be no like whereas I'm thinking as we're trying to get home from the mountain like I need people in the car ASAP we're getting down this hill once we get to the bottom we're getting inside and the footy needs to be dumping because I'm going to take a shower and start cooking food and if there's a 40 minute window that could be uploading while I'm showering and someone else is cooking like that quadruple time optimization gets my brain going crazy and I get serotonin and dopamine and I just feel like I am conquering my whole world of my dream and like having people doing stuff in the background, having all of the legends that are just dialing in the podcast and it's like shit like that's happening while I'm doing other stuff and I finish a full vlog and I get a message from Petter, here's the, the you love to hear it episode done and Verde already got that message and he's got some stuff sent to me like how's this caption and they're going to post it. It's like that time optimization is so crucial and it was like leading back into being at the mountain and like hovering on the line of like cutting people but mm. also you were saying it the other day like they'll just be a three pack and then four, four, four and then a two and a four, four, four and there's like some, sometimes people have like an ego of just they don't want you to go first. Right. Whether or not like that two pack up there could, I was breaking this down pretty proper, like I could squeeze by everybody. No one really even sees me because I'm outside the line or something. And you just like snake right under the line. You're not, you're not hitting people's skis. You're doing it. You have to be so flow and smooth with it that nobody even realizes it or knows. And you just pop under and you're just, you guys three, mind if I ride? And you're boom and you're on the lift. And some people will be like, you caught me. And they're so upset, but they don't even realize that like, I'm going to hold the line up behind them so that when they come around next lap, the line's going to be longer. Right. But if I kind of go around you and I hop in and I utilize that flow and I squeeze it up the chair, like that's what's supposed to be happening. And then I can get more of a dense output like that. So that's like how we get so much done is just because not everybody can do that. Also, not everybody wants to do that. Not everybody's trying to jam five runs in one hour and they want to just go and have a, have a little brunch inside and yeah. do their run and stall and hang out. And yeah, I just think it's the awareness of everything in life, of like knowing what you're trying to do and how you're trying to live your life and not taking offense to people who maybe drive around you like if you're in Indonesia, like we're saying, people literally go up on the curbs around people because they're just sitting there waiting or there's not enough room to go around them on the right. And like, you don't get pulled over. No one cares. And there's Everybody's honking all the time to just let you know, like, hey, I'm in an insane spot. You might not see me here. I'm just creeping around because I'm going somewhere and I'm not just going to hold up the more traffic behind you. And like, I just feel like that's so big in my life, that flow thing. Yeah. And it, it, but you have to also not care about anything or anyone's feelings and emotions because some people will just get triggered from you simply going by them. Because, yeah. Hey, I was here first. You can't go by me. 
<laughs> you can't save that person. Yeah. So, I mean, what do you, what is your take on that of being with me or the boys and seeing how fast we're moving and shit? <laughs> so at Brighton, <laughs> we, we all kind of separated going up to the lift line. It was such an, the gnarliest lift line I've ever seen. It was like a 30 minute wait. Oh my God. For one run. That oh was like God. a five minute run. Yeah. It was gnarly. So it was like, it's insane. Uh, and <laughs> it's my first experience with, you know, navigating that and, uh, you know, kind of figure out how to get through there quicker. Um, yeah, Gertie's never seen a line in his life like that. He said he's never seen just absolute top to bottom lines of six packs of people all like it's and then like <laughs> half the people are just laying on their snowboard and like you know picnic and that's what I mean. Like, Boards are chatting, unstrapped. They got their just, yeah, back no one to the really line. cares. Like they're all just chilling. And I'm like, what is going on here? Like none of you are even paying attention. Yeah. And you look up and what do you see? I look up and I see you and T-Cap on the lift. I see Daly. So Daly swings around, <laughs> doesn't even get on the line. He just goes to like where the lift line operators are. And he's, he's just stoking people out. Literally, he says to me, he's like, yeah, I'll see you. I'll meet you up top. I'm just going to go stoke some people out. And yeah. I was like, I see what he he's doing. He's frothed up. He's giving out stickers. He's getting B-roll to the point where they're not sure if he's supposed to be there or not, you know, he fits the role so well. And like, he confuses them with stuff. <laughs> like what we were saying, not everyone's can do that. Wants to do that. Should no. be doing that. Like, I don't want anything to do with that. Like that's a strict daily thing. So you gotta be self-aware. No, you and daily are real good at just being like, I'm not waiting on this line. I'm gonna find a way. So and, like, and, and then not like taking a spot from someone. I want to like be really strict about that. Like we're not cutting people and then making that like me and Dale got on for two and now it's three, 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 three behind it. We ruined right. the line. It's, you have to be flow with it. It's like skateboarding in an airport. It's something that I'm, it's a skill set that I'm still developing and learning from you for sure. Uh, I walked up with TCAP. He recognized somebody, but I was like a little bit further ahead of him walking up the hill. And like, I turned around and TCAP was like walking into the line. So I would have had to like turn back around and then like follow TCAP. You would have had to have broken the flow. Yeah. Which exactly. you don't want to do. Which is what I didn't do. So I went to the back of the line Oof. and yeah, you guys were, already lap in the park by the time I got on the chair. You probably already had like four <clears throat> park laps by the time I got up there. Um, yeah, so that, that's a, that's definitely <laughs> an experience that... And I think TCAP just had seen, it was a five chair and there was one of the homies that TCAP saw and, and he waved him in. So then they made a three and there was one more and I was walking by and they saw me and they waved me in. So right. I, I actually made the four. TCAP made the three and made the four. So no, there was no extra chairs that had to be made or anything. And yeah, it's a it's a gray line. Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting one. We're mobbing. We're trying to nuke. We're capitalizing on time. I think a lot, if you really care about your time and you want to do that, then you should. And if you kind of just chilling and you don't care and you got the fam and you're just like whatever, then don't worry about people that are crushing their time. Do you? Yeah, it really is what your goal is for the day, probably right. Like if you're going just to chill and you know experience like a little vacation, you're with your girl or with your family, whatever, mm -hmm. you're not in a rush. Like, you know, you might be more willing to get on the back of that line. Uh, but for you guys, it's understandable why you would want to just like get through it. Cause what you're going to wait online for a half hour. Now you're sore, you're cold, you're not warmed up. You, that's a half hour content that you could have got. Yeah. You and you're just sitting there in line watching this two chair, three chair, two chair, four, three four, chair. You're four, watching four, a, three, group, a whole two, family just four. sitting on the floor. Their board's not even ready to go. Like what's worse than seeing an empty chair go by someone kind of botched the the <laughs> gate they didn't make it they stopped their boy stopped boom chair swing there's 1800 people waiting in line and there's just a f empty oh, four man. chair swings everyone's like oh 
you don't want to be the guy that let it go. You don't want to be the guy. Uh, dude, the homies did that at Mount Snow. I, uh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> they were like, no, no, no. Like, in order to regroup, they let an empty chair go. Oh, that's what I'm saying. That and I was just kind of like, what we're you, know, doing. you don't want to do that. Yeah. And I was like, flow, and I flow. got on that chair with them and I was kind of thinking like, man, flow. every person on the backlist line right now is just like, you dickheads. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That was, that was me freaking out when you were driving through the rotary the other day. Cause I'm like, go, go, go. Oh, yeah. And it's like, I just, so I grew up with rotaries on the East coast, like crazy. So I come in hot on those things. I can see two moving cars in and as they go by, I just whoop right in. And it's like the respect thing. But when people see that and get scared and slam on the brakes and then they break the flow and now the car behind them. And it's like, no, 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 you were good. You were good. Like or when you're walking out of a store and they're going by and they like extra stop early and you're like no 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 like you had it you had it like we're all just trying to flow I, I love I live in flow flow state is like my goal if you can get into flow state all day long or even at fractions it's like yeah for sure it helps unreal. you take charge and take the lead on things and just take advantage of the time that you have and take that as you know as <laughs> like you should you should be respectful of your time um when uh, I want to get into some more snowboarding stuff, you ride at Big Snow a lot. That was the f did you go to Mountain Creek first, or uh, yeah, well, Big Snow is you know, they're open 365 days a year. The uh, for those of you that don't know, it's the indoor snowboarding place in uh, New Jersey. Uh, it's a great spot. I use it, it's close to home, it's like 30 minutes away. Um, shout out to Big Snow, everybody over there. Yep, um, I use that place like a gym. You know, I'll, I'll pull up for an hour. Yep. Just shred. Uh, you know, I don't really do too much park stuff. Uh, I'm still, like I said, a pretty beginner snowboarder. So um, for me, it's just kind of practicing, just being on the board, being on the snow, commute, like, you know, socializing with the homies there. Um, so that's kind of like the home spot. Uh, and then when the season comes, uh, it would be Mountain Creek, which is right there. It's like an hour away from home. They're open till 9 p.m. Um, so obviously being outside is something that you cannot replicate. Yep. And a whole different vibe and feeling, and there's more dynamic to it, you know, the conditions and all that. Um, yeah, so those are kind of like my home spots, but uh, I'm not too far from Vermont and, you know, uh, like a little further up north, so I'll send it out there, take trips out there. What's your favorite zone on the East Coast to ride? Mount Snow. Yes. Yeah. I'd say yes. out of all the places that I've been out there, uh, Killington is is amazing. Like mid-season is a huge, huge mountain. Uh, and when it's like fully open, it's, you know, if you're on the East Coast, that's probably like one of the sickest spots you can go. Um, I like Mount Snow because it seems like they have a better flow with their lifts. Yeah. Actually, uh, like things just move there. Uh, I noticed the employees there are like a little more stoked to be there. The vibes are better. Yep. It's got more of like this, like homey kind of like just energy to it. Like Killington's got this like little, little bit of like an aggro energy. But like, it's a little too big. I noticed the bigger the mountains, it's harder to get that like core because people just, people just split up so much that, you know what I mean? You don't know if the boys are in the park or whatnot. When you're at Mount Snow, you're at the base, you got the entire, like of Corinthia, you got the entire zone there where you can literally see the Parker shack. You can see the inner lodge. You can see the lift. When you're on nitro, you can see two runs on the left. You can yeah. see Inferno. You see the pipe. So like everybody's involved in everything and the flow, I think the park crew there just builds the best parks in potentially the world and the way that the, they use the landscape 
to create the hip if it's there and the jumps and the layouts and all their speed is perfect through all the zones. It's just Corinthia is an absolute mecca of snowboarding on the East Coast. If you're trying to get good, go to Corinthia and just get there Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. To, to noon. It's literally all you need, 1, 1 p.m., four hours. thousand percent. Uh, you know, like I said, I don't do too much park stuff, um, but last season I, uh, before you and I went, I went to – I went to Mount Snow in March of this year. So at the end of last season. And uh, it was like unreal. Like I, going from big snow uh, to Mount Snow and like seeing the difference of the way that the ramps are built, the landings, the boxes mm. and, and all that. It was like, oh, like I've been learning wrong almost. And then like taking it to a place where it's built properly was like just a huge, uh, I don't even know. Like it was like, it felt like, all right, I've been at like 50% this whole time. And now I can like take it to like 75, 80%. But do you think it was actually that you were doing it wrong or that you were just honing in your practice and stuff on like gnarliness kind of relating it to skateboarding where like once you go to a nice perfect skate park but you've been skating in your driveway on gravel or like rough three stairs and five stairs in town and handrails and stuff janky shit and then you go to a proper park you're like ew i'll kickflip front board this rail yeah because the the smooth concrete takeoff there's no crack at the lip or do you think it was literally like no this is these aren't good features and i'm practicing wrong skill sets that are hindering you no i wouldn't uh, I wouldn't say it's like they're building bad features. It's just a small place. So it's like if you were to take a, a feature at Mount Snow and put it in Big Snow, you would have to just like shrink it down. Mm. So the takeoffs and landings on like, you know, I'm not hitting rails, so I wouldn't know anything about that. But uh, like just the jumps, the little side hits and stuff, like the kickers, the, the way that they're built at Mount Snow, uh, for example, so when I was there, I hit, I don't know how big of a jump it was, but it was a decent sized kicker over a knuckle into a landing. And like, that's something that like a real landing, you know, it's like a big hill. Uh, and that's something that you just can't get at like big snow. There's just no space for it. Mm -hmm. So taking what I learned at big snow, mountain Creek and stuff to Mount snow was like you said, it's like going to like a properly built skate park yep. and you're just like, Oh my God, you know, this is so like, I'm better. I'm better than I thought I was. Yeah. Like you arrive there and you're like, oh, I could never hit a jump like that. But then you line it up and you look at it and you're like, you know, oh what? my god, the trajectory, the takeoff, it's the transition. Perfect. You're just riding the whole time and then you're in the air a little bit, so you have to actually do less to get the same amount of what you were doing on something smaller or harder. And it, yeah, it looks so scary, like you know, when you look at it because it looks huge. But then when you get up there and you realize, like, whoa, like all I got to do is just not case it. I just got a wave of emotion from thinking about a Mount Snow, Corinthia. Pre not preseason, mid-season, nitro, perfect groom, early day, corduroy, soft, 41 degrees, 36 degrees, sun. Oh, my gosh, bro. I want to say that um, to progress your smaller tricks to bigger tricks, the biggest thing is just going to a bigger park and practicing the tricks that you have dialed in or even smaller than that on the big features. So I used to always learn maybe 360s, 540s, 720s on the nitro jumps, the smaller jumps at Mount Snow, and then I would go over to 
gulch, the bigger jumps, and I would just do huge 360s, huge 540s. And then when I went back to nitro, I would be literally ready to throw those sevens or throw a, throw a nine and have more confidence. Or the same thing with the rails, going to gulch, the bigger park, and hitting a 25-foot down bar and working on a back lip. Then when you go back to nitro, you're literally down to back 270 onto it or front side 270 onto like do a trick that you wouldn't do because you just get used to those features being so grande that everything seems smaller when you go back. And then that can even go one stage up further. It's just like going into the massive XL park for me and literally just hitting those jumps just to just like... You're, you're living in fear, which is what you don't want to be doing as I preach constantly, but like you're, you're, you don't want to live in fear, but you want to push those fear boundaries. So you always want to be hovering on that edge of like, this shit's scary. For example, if I show up to a a park and it's early and I don't know what to do and I want to get warmed up, like I'm not really that good at cap spinning. I'll just first run first feature. As long as I see it and I've hit it before and I know what's good cab five right off the rip get the gnarliest one out of the way because then the front fives are nothing and just going to a huge park and hitting it and working on those sphere centers then you go back to gulch the medium xl one and now you're down to do those sevens that you were doing on nitro and now you go to nitro and you're literally down to do hard way backside 270 onto this little rail because you're just you're living in this this mecca bigger xl size feature and i heard a chris cole podcast once where he was to the professional skateboarder and he was talking about contest tips that he has. And he literally envisions the con- after he gets the whole park and everything practiced and warmed up and it's like in his head and he knows the features, he meditates and shrinks it down to these tiny little features. And he envisions himself just like if it's a 12 stair, it's like he envisions it as a four stair and him, mm. him perfectly backside flip tail sliding this thing, shove it out. Like he just envisions it as tiny, tiny and like, makes it smaller in his head and then when he goes and skates it's just like he's already i don't know if i don't know if that works for it but for to hear that from chris cole's like and and to see the relation between hitting big stuff and then going to smaller stuff if you visualize it as smaller it's got to help for sure i that's that's an interesting topic i i see that at big snow when you come through like i see the way that you look at those features and to you, they're small. It's time to work on shit that you would never do on a 20 foot, 30 foot Mamba rail or something, you know, like hard way cap three into switch 50. Cause right. worst case scenario, you miss the rail a little bit, but you touch it. And by the time you're sliding off of it, you're past the rail, you're landing on snow. Whereas right. if you do that on a big feature, you're going to slip out and you still got 10 feet of rail left. You're hitting that rail. Right. Yeah. That's a, that's an interesting one, especially for somebody that that's kind of like their frequent placed, uh, like that's, that's all I know you know, before like exploring out and going to mountains and stuff. So like when somebody like you would come through and and kind of just throw down on it, like their small features, it was like pretty, pretty sick to watch. Um, I I think, sorry to cut you off, but a a good way to practice maybe say two seventies or things that are kind of hard is to go into the feature that's smallish with a little bit more speed, like, you were going to ollie it and gap it. And I will literally pop and do like a 270 over the rail, like push out where the board would have been. And then I'm still in the air and gap over it and land down into the landing. And just like literally working on the idea of it. Or sometimes if it's a longer rail and you want to like lip slide it, like ollieing up and over the entire thing, exaggerating it and to the other side and being like, okay, I know I can ollie up over this thing and push the lip slide. Now I'm going to do it. But first you ollie over to the side not like side jumping, but literally right in the rut, ollieing over. And then you ollie over the whole thing straight and like 
hold out the front board like you were to do it. And then you can kind of just gap to the the little end of it and, and jib it and then work on going slower and like really technically getting the balance locking in. That's just if you're worried about slipping out, you know, right? because the slower you go on a rail, the longer you're going to have to hold that Tony Hawk style balance meter. Right. What would, what would your opinion be on um, like having a variety of boards for different environments? So like, let's say that you were close to big snow and that was like where you're going more often. Would you go and get a smaller board that's a little more flexy? No, I like to just keep my same features on my board, boots, binding, jacket, hat, glove, everything, Universal. every condition, Mount okay. Hood, 85, 95 degrees, black face mask, covering up everything, a little bit of sunscreen on the chipmunk cheeks, and just helmet, goggles, everything. Right. But you would switch up to like a powder board on a powder I day. switch up pow boards. Mm -hmm. I switch up that. And if I'm riding like trash conditions, I will throw on the same board, but beater with, you know, dry little cracked edges and stuff gotcha. um, at one point i did have a reverse camber that i was using for like street stuff i haven't really done a lot of street in a while for like presses and then i kind of just realized that like that's a little, maybe a little overkill for how little often i do presses i should just learn those and get dialed in on them on my on my regular camber board that's much stiffer but i just think keeping the board dialed in is is proper but i did the podcast with tj board archive mm -hmm. two, uh, three episodes ago <clears throat> And yeah, we talked a lot about how important it is, uh, like those little specifics after you dial in your balance and riding and skill set so you feel comfortable on a board. If you can never get that comfort, then it might be a piece of gear. You should try swapping some things out. Highly recommend never switching out more than one piece of gear at a time because then you mm. won't know the variable that you either like or dislike. Right. Daily got new board, new bindings, and something else the other day and could not even ride he was right. falling trying to just follow cam me he couldn't even film himself he couldn't like perform so he's like i'm just gonna follow couldn't even follow cam was falling all over the place and he was like i got these new bindings i'm on your board for the first time which is also a regular camber so it's not just a new board it's a new pr profile and it's like yeah i think just dialing in the comfort and the riding first and then tweaking those little those little specifications are better. I want to I want to get into the, that one thing that we were talking about the other day, though. Kind of switch gears because you've been doing the beats for a minute. You start snowboarding, like you're picking up all these new things so quickly. I came to New York last fall, and you were filming with my camera surfing mm. and you started getting super into that and then you found out that there was a whole crew there that you fuck with super hard and they all surf and then i dipped out and within a year's time you were getting reshares from professional surfers that surf nazare you're getting collaboration posts with stab you were like having just so many good surfers reshare your stuff and you got the camera and equipment and gear and then when we went to gary's you were breaking down for the kids like how they should go about that and like what piece of advice do you have for people either trying to get some get into something new and trying to like not take off right away but like put yourself in the in the spots like touch on on that part a little bit yeah absolutely uh i think it goes back to like the passion part of it um so i've never filmed surfing in my life i mean i didn't know anything about surfing um you were here or you were in new york with me you were surfing you needed a filmer so i was like all right sick i just want to come hang you know give me the tripod give me the camera i'll point it at you figuring it out um and fell in love with it i was like this is sick <laughs> like i just chill on the beach with a camera and a tripod and just pointing at the boys and like seeing how stoked people are on their clips with surfing gertie was also he says that but he was underneath an umbrella 
wedged into the ground in the <laughs> pouring rain with a with the umbrella at a backwards angle bent backwards because the wind was howling pissing offshore winds into this dude as the sun was setting for the third session that day with completely wet gear that's what he was just hyped on right there and how it makes me feel alive there it is for real i mean you what if you didn't have a warm shower 30 minutes away to go home to and a nice bed to sleep in after that and you were just right in the car right in the subi be a little more gnarly (laughs) it'd be a little harder to get me out there for sure yeah um yeah, yeah. <laughs> but what if you had a big bus to go back into? Yeah, yeah. You know, as long as I got like turn the heat out, a little change yeah, of clothes and stuff. Yeah, you got some dry clothes to throw on after. I'm chilling, you know. Um, I, I spent a lot of time prior to you coming out and, and meeting you and stuff, like just working, where I was like literally just working, editing seven days a week. I, I wasn't doing much. I didn't really have much passion going on. Even the music thing, I was kind of lost with that. Um, so I went through this kind of like stagnant period in life where I just didn't feel alive. I was like, and I didn't know why, I, you know, I was just kind of figuring it out, felt lost. Um, so any moment, like it's why I fell back in love with snowboarding. I, it made me feel good. It was a healthy activity that you're outside, you're just smile on your face the whole time. It's fun. It's exciting. It's great. It makes me feel like I'm living, you know? Yep. And, um, Obviously, like when you're surfing, I'm sure you feel that way, but live like as a filmer, like you're out there in the elements, it might be gnarly, it's cold and stuff, but just, you know, layer up, make sure you're good. And, uh, it's getting the clips, being out there, experiencing it, watching it. It's some of the sickest things that like watching surfers when it's firing is like one of the most amazing things that you can watch. Yep. What about the lulls? Like the little flats and stuff? The long flats. Oh, the long flats? The 15 minutes you're sitting there hyper-focusing on any little bump popping up because you don't want to miss a shot and there's no waves. That's a good one. So at first, that was tricky. Trucky. Uh, <laughs> first, that was trucky. But um, because you don't know what you're looking at. You don't understand. Like, I mean, it's coming in blind. You don't know anything about surfing. I mean, I, I spent some time as a kid in the water you know, boogie boarding and stuff out in Long Beach and Rockaway. So I was a little bit familiar with like sets and, and waves and, you know, kind of where to look, mm-hmm. but not really. Uh, so at first you're just hyper-focused. You're like, oh man, like, I don't know when this is going to come in. You're like, for hours straight, it could be exhausting. But you start to learn through experience and, you know, you get a better idea of when the waves are coming, which wave you might jump on, who, like how people surf. Yep. You know, uh, what, are they going to go for a right or a left? Or like, you know, is this person only left? Uh, so you know where to point at. Um, it gets tricky when <laughs> tricky. <laughs> it gets tricky. <laughs> that word's done. Uh, yeah. We, we can't say tricky no more. It gets a little, uh, a little weather out. It gets a little more weathered when, you know, uh, like the waves are big and you, disappear behind it and there's a big set and you're like well is he going for the second one the third one and and like at that point you just got you have no idea where they're going to pop up and you just got to kind of be wide and be ready for them to just appear out of nowhere and like those are some of the most difficult shots but waves come in sets and like you said there are lulls and like when you get a little more familiar with it you can kind of predict when it's going to be so you see it's flat like swap that battery out yeah yeah you know well so you're talking about all the specifics of it and that just like goes into the question that i was kind of proposing before i steered you in the wrong way of like 
you you did all this randomly like you don't surf you don't film and all of a sudden you're out there in the pouring rain you're having fun and you're hyper focusing on all these little elements and trying to memorize like where does that come from like the drive to pick something like that up and do it and do it at your best and drop two grand on a camera the next week because you want to up your gear like where does all that come from and not just kind of half-assing it and sitting there man i found the same passion that i found in music with filming so uh having that blind faith that it'll work out so long as i keep doing it maybe um, maybe dialing in other people you're one of the kindest people i've ever met is it something well that's that a huge with- part of it well part of it for me is a little bit selfish like i said like i was kind of feeling stagnant in life and it made me feel alive so that was like what i got out of it personally but also what makes me feel alive and good is stoking other people out and seeing how stoked people are on the clips and then realizing like, wait, like homies are doing this all the time, but they don't always have a filmer and like, and they're putting in crazy amounts of work and they're gnarly and they're hardworking and they're fucking committed. Oh, well that's a huge part of it. So it's, it's who you're like, all right, life is about who you surround yourself with. That's who you're going to be. That's what the universe will bring you is who is around you like who's in the room with you you know what are they doing um surfers are some of the most eclectic people on this planet if you're out there filming you'll meet so many random people that do so many random things and some of them are just like the most intelligent interesting people in the world and they share this same thing that i love about skateboarding or snowboarding or music or, or whatever it's it's the ten thousand hour rule these people are committed to throwing themselves in the ocean when it's freezing cold hot day whatever like it's dangerous there's sharks out there you know there's like all kinds of variables that make it super gnarly and this could be said with snowboarding and hitting 80 foot jumps and avalanches and fucking catching your edges on rails and stuff right so when the season of snowboarding is not there it's summertime you know it's it's nice out like what am I going to stay home and not go to the beach and film the homies? Mm-hmm. Like if I know that like there's people out there that are doing things for themselves and for others to like spread positivity, they're honing in on a craft that is just so unrewarding outside of like you, who's making money surfing. You know what I mean? Like 1% of surfers. Right. So like this is such a, a thankless sport, but people are so passionate about it enough to put themselves at risk to get good at it. And I just find that so uh, intriguing, you know, just being around that kind of energy, that kind of people. And so getting the camera, putting yourself there. Getting the camera was like, well, I don't have the tools to do it because I was using your camera. Um, So I I got a camera of my own and was like, yeah, I'm going to do this, you know. And and what was the approach that we were talking about on the the way home from Gary's the other day for the the young kids that are trying to get into – filming and grow a following as a filmer and yeah if you um if you're out there and you really want to get into filming um whether it's or or any aspect but this can relate to really anything probably in life but you know if you're like for me it was filming um it's the exact same approach that i had with music uh that i still have with music is share like all right like if you're gonna you have nobody to film you want to be a filmer, right? Just keep going. Get a camera. Uh, show up to where people are throwing down. Yep. You know, uh, if it's your local mountain, if it's the beach, um, 
regardless of the sport, wherever it is, even if you don't know anybody, literally just show up, get a camera, point it at what is happening, capture it, dump it on a folder somewhere, put it on a hard drive and just send it to people. Try to figure out who's who. If you're filming surfing and you get a sick clip of just some random dude getting barreled, like who's doing it for himself, who's doing it for himself. He doesn't even have a filmer. And yeah, I, I think that's like the biggest thing that kind of wraps in with what we were talking about earlier with saving your money so that you're not so focused on trying to get a hundred dollars for that clip out of the homie who doesn't really care that much. Cause he was literally out there doing it for himself. And when you can gift that to him and then maybe they have a following and you can get some people who are stoked on your photography because you post it to him and building that connection that then six months down the road, maybe he gets a gig with rip curl and they need a sponsor. And he remembers this homie, this G who mm. gave him fire clips, good content for free and is ready to pay the return. That's, Absolutely how it goes. Uh, you just get the footage. All right, like you you just got barreled. Nobody saw it. You, As far as you know, not a single soul on this planet saw that amazing barrel that you just got. And right? you don't really care about it. You don't really care. You're just stoked. You walk onto the beach, some homie comes over. Hey, man, I got this really sick shot of you, but I'll send it to you for like 20 bucks. I mean, you might be stoked enough to be like, all right, I'll give this homie 20 bucks, mm -hmm. you know, but you're probably as that surfer going to be much less likely to hit that dude with a follow mm -hmm. or like keep in touch with that person. Yeah. And I, I would say honestly, like a hundred bucks because a $20 barrel, even if you're a broke surfer, you should break that motherfucker off a dub, but you shouldn't be expecting that dub. And I think it's just that relationship yeah. of like letting him know here's the clip, yo, I'm also broke and I love doing this. If you have a gig and you want me in the future, I'm down. If you, if you're, I don't know what your financial situation is. If you want to toss a little cheddar and you really enjoyed that clip, because if it's a tourist, they'll pay a hundred dollars and be so stoked. They never got a wave on film in their life and they're in Costa Rica and you got them, you know what I mean? So they'll break you off. But I think when you have that intention of need, of getting the money, then that's when, it that, that's when it's, it's not a good thing. It comes off way more disingenuous. Um, when you're asking for money up front. I think. Yeah. And I, I think all of that has a lot to be said and there's a lot of variables within it all, but literally like the whole entire conversation we had wrapped up is find the passion that you love, work hard, save up, even if you don't know what you're trying to get or what you're going to do, because you'll have an opportunity when that opportunity comes, make sure that you love it and you work for it and you put all of your heart into it because you love it. And it's going to be excruciatingly fucking amount of work, right. build those connections within the community, put yourself in the positions, offer your best things out for free so that you can make people enjoy you and, and not literally like feel indebted to you, but like they will be. And it's, that's actually just like, you're breaking down a circle of helping others. And if, if you can give a house to somebody to film a podcast in, or if you can share your music to somebody to use in their vlogs, and then you can help them get exposure through putting them on a podcast or bringing them on an RV. Like it's all about just the circle of, of everybody giving their best and not having any expectations because if everybody gave out their best and everybody would be receiving their best and it would just be such better energy for sure. And I truly believe in just energy, emitting good energy, letting it land and having that faith that it'll work out, yep. you know, like don't overthink things and just let it work out. Um, it's gonna, and you know, again, it's like what you want out of life. Like the way it worked out for me is not in the form of like a Lamborghini 
you know, I'm not a rich dude. Like I don't make that much money. I have a full-time job. I have my passion projects. Like I'm here right now with you, like using pay time off from work and stuff. Yep. But you you're, know? but you're self-aware, but and I'm self-aware that comes from, but what I'm achieving here is something that's like, to me is my priority. So in a way, like chilling with the boys, shredding, going in the, in the RV, getting better at snowboarding, just having fun on the road and experience this life experience right now is my Lambo. That's fulfillment. And that's, fulfillment. that's literally the so meaning of life. That is what I'm earning out of this. So I don't want to like promote a message like forget money. Like you don't need money. Just do the work for free. It, it's because you might, you might want money and that might be your route. In life. If that's your priority, then get, get the bag, you know, but my personal priorities right now at this point in my life are to be the best person that I can enjoy the most fun experiences with the most positive people that I can and really double down on these relationships with, with the homies and see where that goes. And at this point, currently I have a, a huge blind faith that these things, this path will work out into something that I just can't imagine yet. Cause I don't know. Exactly. And that's, so, that's the D dub. And to overthink that would be, that is anxiety. That is stress. Like, so for me personally, my approach to life and my reward from all of this, this whole message of like, if you make beats, send it to people for free. If you're filming, like go show up, film for free. Like if you want what I want, which is relationships with people and friendships and life experiences, that's what worked for me. It's the best thing I ever heard. All right. Follow Gertie Beats. He's got Spotify, iTunes, everything that you could ever imagine. He's on all the platforms. Gertie Beats on Instagram, SoundCloud. Show him some love. Go cop an album. Yes, everything sir. is in the video description. I'm wrapping this up right now because we're literally getting kicked out of the crippy and we got to drive to Colorado. But thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you to Athlete Studio and Candy Grind for supporting the podcast. Thank you to all the listeners. Drop a review, a subscribe, a like, a comment. Let us know what you want to hear in the next episode. And we got all the merch, caseywillax.com. So we appreciate you guys. We appreciate you, Gertie. Thank you. We'll hear you in the next one. You love to hear it, boys. You. You.